This is Jocko Podcast number 159 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. There's a a terrible feeling in the gut that I've only felt while I was overseas in Iraq. And it's it's this deeply distressed kind of sick feeling. And literally feel it in your gut. Literally feel it in your stomach, in my stomach. And it's not it's not the fear it's not fear. It's not it's not the fear of death. Because when you get to a point when you kind of accept that death is a possibility and you're okay with it, then that fear kind of goes away. And it's not the fear of one of your guys being wounded or killed. It's not that either. Because even that fear, even that fear, you you, you kind of get a control of that fear. Because you know you can't dwell on it. Because you know if you dwell on the fear of one of your guys getting wounded or getting killed, then that's going to detract from the very thing that you're supposed to be doing that will most likely prevent your guys from being wounded or killed. If you're dwelling on that fear, you won't be doing the things you should be doing like planning and training and preparing and inspecting and reviewing and leading. So even that fear, while it's persistent and heavy and potent, it's you have some level of control over it. But when something goes wrong, when something happens and you're responsible and the burden of command settles down with its monstrous monstrous weight on top of your shoulders because there's no one else to blame, that's what I'm talking about. And actually, I felt it for the first time really a little bit during my first deployment that I did to Iraq and my platoon, we we did what we were supposed to do. Some things didn't go right. Not nothing crazy, but mistakes were made. And we and there was actually back to back to back missions with related targets that we were going after. And I was the assault force commander. And I think one of them I might have even been the ground force commander. So I was clearly responsible for these missions and there were some mistakes made and my commanding officer came and spoke to me about it you know pulled me aside to point out the mistakes and the resulting impacts that these mistakes were going to have and he wasn't happy I mean he wasn't he wasn't mad because we had a good relationship and he was talking to me just straight but he wasn't happy and you know I kept a calm face and I took ownership and said, hey, my fault, this is the things we're going to do to fix it, you know. But even though I kind of kept a calm face in front of him when he left, I, again, I felt like this retching in my stomach that that I had made some kind of mistake and, and one of the worst things about it is there's nothing you can do. Like the mistake happened. You can't go back. You can't fix it. 
And I can't compare that feeling to anything else really that I've felt because I've never felt anything else that feels like that. And I've, I've talked about it with my friends in leadership positions overseas. And, and like actually the first time uh, is actually Stoner that talked to me about this, this gut feeling. And he had something going on. And you know he's like he's like you know that feeling, and I was like oh yeah I, I know that feeling. And like I said, I've never I've never felt this feeling, this gnawing feeling in your gut that's eating you from the inside. I, I think you see it sometimes um, if you watch you know some movies try and capture this feeling of where it's basically where someone's life is falling apart, but they're trying to keep a a facade up that everything's going okay. Have you ever seen the movie Fargo? No. Okay, I got you on this one. Got me. Yeah. This movie Fargo, there's a guy and he's he's a car salesman and he's been fudging the numbers and then he's 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 trying to kill someone. There's all, all these things are happening and it's all and he's a very I, I would say a very naive person mm. and He's, you know, married and he's got kids and he's trying to do this stuff that's not right and he knows it mm-hmm. and it's starting to come apart. And that that's the kind of thing where you, you can see it's just eating him from the inside. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that that type of gnawing deep feeling where everything is going wrong and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the closest I, I think I can come is is just when things are going so wrong and there's nothing you can do about it. And I think that that feeling that feeling for me i think that's why number one that's why i always say combat is humbling it's because of that feeling right there where you something went wrong you couldn't stop it you couldn't control it you can't fix it it is what it is and that makes it humbling extremely humbling and because of that it made me want to make sure that I did everything humanly possible to prevent from that to prevent that feeling from grabbing hold of me again if if I could help it. Mm. It opened up my mind. It made me it made me always want to listen to other people's input. Because I always said to myself, wait, if I didn't see what was going on over here, how do I ever know where my blind spots are? Mm-hmm. I always think I must have blind spots somewhere. There must be something I don't see, something I don't understand. How can I listen? I need to make sure I listen to other people's viewpoints and perspectives so that I don't, so I can cover and, and yeah, cover as many blind spots as possible. Hmm. Review other methods and other ideas and other principles to see what I could learn from them. And when people raise opposing points to me I don't object to them I don't bristle up and it's I it doesn't offend me when somebody says something that that isn't that I don't agree with mm. it doesn't offend me at all in fact I want to know more about it mm. and as I as I go through my life I try and continue to listen I try to absorb opposing opinions and process them and I want to just understand them. I want to understand the context of them. I want to understand the perspective of them. It's it's how I think I'm going to eliminate as many blind spots as possible. So when someone would tell me, 
like a new tactic, right? A new tactic when I was in the, in the teams and someone would say, hey, we're doing this now. And there's, of course, when somebody tells you something new, there's always a part of you that says, that yeah. bristles up to it. And I, again, those humbling situations, that feeling in my gut that I didn't want to feel, it, it pushed that, that ego down. Because I actually want to hear what your idea is. I want to hear if this is a blind spot I haven't noticed. I want I want that idea to work. I want to see how it works. I want to see if it works. And sometimes they would work. And it's and it, and I would learn something. Sometimes they wouldn't. You know, sometimes it would reconfirm the reason, and then that person would learn. Hey, the reason we don't do what you're wanting to do is because of this. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm helping them with a blind spot that they might have. But either way, my goal was always to learn. To hear other people's viewpoints, and that's the way I remain today. Those other viewpoints are gonna make me sharper. I'm gonna read things so that I can see them from other angles. Understand things from other angles. They can, when you understand something from another angle, you can strengthen your position. Or you can leave your position if you realize that your position is wrong. And, I, and, it, and it's going to make me better. And it's make me better not for me, not because I want to be better, but for the people that are around me, the people up and down the chain of command that I'm trying to support them so I can do my job better as a leader, as a follower, and as a person. And also so that I can, as much as humanly possible, avoid that wretched, seething, miserable feeling in my guts. So, I was thinking a lot about that, and tonight we're gonna explore some principles of war, actually called general rules, by this individual. Machiavelli. This is the Machiavelli, Niccolo Machiavelli. This is the guy that wrote The Prince. He's got all kinds of great quotes out there. It's better to be feared than loved if you can if you cannot be both. He's got never never was anything great achieved without danger. Here's one. If an injury has been done, if an injury has to be done to a man, it should be so severe that his vengeance need not be feared. That's pretty ruthless. Here's another one. Hence it comes about that all armed prophets have been victorious and all unarmed prophets have been destroyed. And one more quick quote as you you can you can just Google Machiavellian quotes and you'll find a bunch of great ones. Men rise from one ambition to another. First, they seek to secure themselves against attack, then they attack others. And that's actually from The Prince, which is his most famous book. And if you think about the process of being a human being, Mm. (laughs) that right there is very accurate. And you can really see that with accuracy if you overlay that on jujitsu. First, you seek to secure yourself from attack, and then you attack others, right? Mm Mm-hmm. When you're rolling, at first, when you first start, you're just trying to defend. You're just trying not to get choked. And then eventually you can stop from getting choked and you can stop from getting arm locked and you start trying to attack other people and arm lock them. So that's Machiavelli. And uh, if you don't know anything about him, he was an Italian, really a politician and a diplomat. 
and but on top of that, this was during the Renaissance period, and and he's an actual Renaissance man. <laughs> so he was a poet, he was a philosopher, he was a playwright, he was an author of books. Born in 1469, died in 1527. From 1503 to 1506, he was in charge of the Florentine militia. And when he was in charge of that militia, he didn't like mercenaries because he realized the weakness of mercenaries is that they, they're they getting paid. That's why they're fighting. They're not fighting from their true belief system. Mm-hmm. So he raised and recruited a citizen army and they were well-respected on the battlefield and they fought in some pretty uh, good battles and won, but it didn't last forever. Florentine was eventually defeated and dissolved, and Machiavelli was accused of conspiracy and tortured. And I, of course, whenever I, I go down a lot of rabbit holes, but I went down that torture rabbit hole for a little while yesterday, and they were pretty brutal about it. Hmm. But he, they, they thought he was a conspirator or whatever, and he, did he even after torture? They couldn't get it out of him. They eventually just exiled him, and that's when he wrote his book, The Prince, which I'm sure we'll cover on here at some point. This is where you hear. This is where the word Machiavellian, yeah, you know, that's kind of it. Usually refers to his book, The Prince, and and usually that word nowadays is used to describe someone that's kind of scheming and unscrupulous. If like if you look it up in the dictionary, that's it'll give you a definition along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like someone that's trying to snake and mm-hmm. make things happen happen. But and like I said, I'm sure we'll cover that book at some point. But um after that he wrote uh another book which is called The Art of War. And it's it's definitely a really good book. It's and we will probably parse through the entire thing at some point. But w- one thing that's good about it is in the end of the book, he part seven of the book, and there's yeah, that's the last the last part of the book. He basically breaks out the most important principles from the book, which makes it pretty easy and straightforward to uh, to talk into it, to explain them. And and then you can get the details on like I said, I'm sure we'll get granular at some point on it. But here's what he says in this book. He's and it's bear with me a little bit, only because the the translation is old. I know that I have told you many things, which by yourself you might have understood and considered. Notwithstanding, I have done it. As today also I have told you, for to be able to show you better meaning thereof, the quality of this army, and also to satisfy those, if there be any, whom have not had the same commodity to understand them as you. Nor me thinks that there are other to tell you than certain general rules, the which you shall have most familiar, which be these. Which is his way of saying, listen. I wrote a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you understood it, or at least you say you did. Mm-hmm. But just in case some other people can't understand it, I'm going to break it down for you very simply in these general rules. And and like I said, the translation, the translation that that I read of this book is called the Tudor translations by a, and it's translated by a guy named Peter Whitehorn in 1560. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like somewhat archaic language, and it's a little bit tricky you know, to get through. But I'll talk through them, and we'll get it into an understandable format. And 
there we go. So, like I said, he says, hey, look, I wrote a lot of stuff. Here's the general rules that you should be most familiar with. Here we go. Number one, the same that helpeth the enemy hurteth thee, and the same that helpeth thee hurteth the enemy. That one's pretty straightforward, right? Mm -hmm. What benefits the enemy harms you, and what benefits you harms the enemy. Straightforward. I think, you know, that's one of those common uh, principles that across the ages everyone says. And the reason they say that is because people forget it. Mm. People forget that if 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 we're if we can hurt the enemy in any way, it's helping us. Mm-hmm. And anything we do that benefits us is gonna hurt the enemy. Yeah. So sometimes we forget that. Mm-hmm. That's why many of these various canons of principles on war remind us of that. Because yeah. it's an important fact. Number two, he that shall be in war most vigilant to observe the devices of the enemy and shall take most pain to exercise his army shall inure least perils and may hope most of victory. So what does that mean? That means pay attention. That means be vigilant in observing the methods and plans of the enemy when you're in war. Number one. Pay attention to who you're fighting against. Mm. Understand who they are. <clears throat> Andy Burke. Mm-hmm. He was going to do an EBI. I think it was an EBI match. Yeah. You know who he was going against? Yeah. Craig Jones. Yeah. You know, you know anything about Craig Jones? I know a lot yeah. about Craig Jones. Craig yeah. Jones is savage. Mm-hmm. Andy, you know, he's he's awesome. But we know we're up. We're training. We're training hard. Mm-hmm. He goes and competes against him, and loses fast. Yeah. Why do he lose? He lost because well, number one, because Craig Jones is awesome, and you know what Andy's real good at. He was good at all of jujitsu, but he's got real good footlocks. Got real good heel hooks. Yeah. He likes to play that game. You know, it's training with me, training with Dean Lisch. Yep. And so. He's rolling in, didn't know much about Craig Jones. In fact, he didn't know anything about Craig Jones. Oh, dang. He okay. just said, oh, yeah, he's good, whatever. Yeah. Not 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 in a disrespectful way. Right. But you ever heard somebody say, um, like when they say, hey, what, what, or, what do you think about your opponent's left hook or whatever? Right. Or right. they say, what do you think about your opponent's ground and pound? And yeah. they say, I'm not worried about my opponent. It's what I'm going to do. It's not what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not trying to say Andy was cocky. Right. But Andy's thing was like, look, I, you know, I do jujitsu. Yeah, that was his approach. Yeah, like I do jujitsu, and hey, and also there's a little bit of like, hey, well, you might go against this guy, but he might get hurt, or you might have this, or whatever. You know what I mean? So, right, right. And it was a tournament as well, mm-hmm. so you can't really get focused on one right. guy. You're going to be fighting three or four guys in one night. You just got to get your jujitsu game up. Yeah. So, Andy rolls in, and he he went right into Craig Jones's game in seconds, mm-hmm. and and the other thing was, Andy's super relaxed. Like I mean, he's he's relaxed anyways. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh okay, this is you know we're just gonna do some jujitsu, mm-hmm. and and it'll escalate over time, and eventually you know something will you know we'll get to that point and right. whatever. Andy goes in and boom, and goes right into like one of Craig Jane Craig Jones's like really good moves. Yeah. Just goes right into it yeah. for him. And, you know, I was bummed, yeah. and obviously Andy's bummed, but didn't do any 
you know, we, me, I should have been like, hey man, let's look at your opponents, let's check out their game. Because if, yeah. if you just know, you know how it is. If you're aware of someone's game, oh, yeah. you can definitely mitigate it. You can't defeat it. I'm not saying he could defeat Craig Jones, but he would have been, he wouldn't have fallen into that in a matter of seconds. Yeah. He would have been, oh, this is his move there. Right. I need, I know what to do to at least mitigate the first attack, the second attack, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, you're gonna you're gonna have problems and and Andy got and then he came back and we and he's like he's like yeah oh, that guy's good <laughs> <laughs> so props to my boy Craig Jones yeah. you beat my my boy uh, hopefully you guys will meet again one day and you get he'll get another go and he'll know your game a little bit better but bottom line is s- study your opponents yeah. study your opponents now can you go too far with that yeah you can because yeah. some people think oh I wish that happens sometimes when the UFC someone will miss weight or they'll get hurt and they'll throw a new opponent out of I wasn't ready for that guy I had been training for a striker now you're putting me up against a grappler or whatever yeah so you know uh, Sarge this is pretty cool Sarge who was a really good who was and is a really good wrestler he's also jiu-jitsu now but he was he said when he would train for wrestling, you know, because he was a high school wrestler at Poway, which if you know anything about wrestling in California or actually in America, you know, Poway High School has a like real dominant wrestling program. Mm. And he was a wrestler there, as was his brother. But he said when he would train, mm. he would he would picture someone with no face. <laughs> and it's because, mm. you know, when you're in the high school wrestling scene out here in California, you know the people that you're going to come up against, right? In, mm-hmm. in a tournament, you're going to come up against these six guys, yeah, and you know yeah. that two of them are good or whatever. Yeah. But he'd just say, nope. And when he would look at him, he's like, when I would look at him mm-hmm. before a match, I wouldn't even, I'd just see like a blur, just fog in their face. Yeah. And then he said, once he would, knew he was going to go against that guy, then he'd look at him and calculate their face and be like, I'm going to kill this guy. Uh, <laughs> <scary>. <laughs> but that's why, what, what it, his point in that was, he didn't want to get uh, like his mind offset by, oh, it's not who I expected it to be. Right, right. So he wouldn't have any expectation on who it was going to be. He mm. was just going to get in the murder mode. Mm. And then when he, when he finally realized that they're walking out on the map, but then, then he'd look at their face and go, okay, this is the guy I'm going against and I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Huh. Which for Sarge, you know, that means he actually. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Observe the methods and plans of your enemy. Absolutely. Next part of it is you you have to endure much hardship and training. Of course, you got to train hard. So observe your enemy, know what they're doing, and then train really, really hard, and you're going to have a greater chance for victory. Of course, common sense. Mm-hmm. Next one, number three. Never conduct thy men to fight the field. If first thou hast not confirmed their minds and knowest them to be without fear and to be in good order. For though for thou oughtest never to enterprise any dangerous thing with thy soldiers, but when thou seest that they hope to overcome. So again we're dealing with some middle English here, I think. <laughs> you you English um linguists people can get at me if I'm wrong but we're pretty close to middle English maybe it's a little late middle English but we're in the ballpark so what is he talking about there never lead your soldiers into an engagement unless you are assured of their courage 
and then he actually says, unless you know them to be without fear, which is a stretch in my mind, because you're going to have people that are going to be afraid. Mm-hmm. In fact, we, you can, you, you're going to, people are going to be afraid mm-hmm. when they're going into combat. 90 something percent, a high percentage of people are going to have some level of fear. But you do need to make sure that they're going to be able to overcome that fear. So if you got people that are shaking in their shoes and they feel, you know, you think they're going to, they're not, they've not been tested at all. Well, then that, that could be a real problem. And then the question becomes, okay, well, how do you test if someone's gonna be afraid or not? What do you think they do in the military with people? What do they do? What to make them not scared or to test their fear? Yeah. How do you test their fear? Put them in scary situations. They put them in scary situations in training. Mm -hmm. Make them rappel off the high tower. Yeah. Make them send them to airborne school. Hey, airborne school. I would say you know, of course, there's there's some level of some things that you need to learn in airborne school. Mm -hmm. But you're basically, I mean, you can literally throw a sack of potatoes out of an airplane with a parachute on, and it's going to land up pretty much okay most of the time. And that's what you do when you go to the school. You learn the proper exit procedures when i went to airborne school it's like hey here's the exit procedures here's how you land you're floating down you don't have much control over your parachute Mm -hmm. so there's not a lot to learn technically it's not Mm -hmm. like a major skill set i mean it's a let me put it this way it's a three-week school Mm -hmm. right it's not like it's not it's not a long intensive school about learning how to pack parachutes or even how to maneuver yourself through the air because there's only so much you can do yeah so what is it that's important about airborne school? What's important about airborne school is you're going to overcome the fear of jumping out of a damn airplane. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. That's why an airborne, you go, go go talk to the 82nd Airborne Division or the 101st Airborne Division. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. And they have that little thing that they've all done that has put them, they've been screened out a little bit because some people are going to be afraid. So yes, that's what you do. You make people do hard, scary things I mean, in the SEAL teams, it's the same thing. What do they do? You're going to learn how to parachute. Then you're going to parachute at night. Then you're going to parachute at night into the water. Mm. Then you're going to jump out of a helicopter at night at you know 20 feet into the darkness and with a boat, and you're going to rig that thing up, and you're going to dive at night, and you're going to swim at night in the open ocean. Yeah. Like, oh, you're just going to go. That scares some people. For some reason, yes. it never really scared me. Yeah. I, I have no fear of sharks. Uh, let me rephrase that. I have no fear that a shark is randomly gonna bite me. Like yeah. if I was in the water and there were sharks, I'd be scared. Yes, Makes And sense. I know that there's sharks in the water, so that guy should be scared, but I don't know, I feel lucky. Yeah. I feel like sharks don't really wanna eat me very much. They'd rather eat like someone like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if you're on a surfboard, I guess that increases the chances from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, because you look like a seal, sure. like, a, like a sea animal seal. Yeah. So that's what you do. You put people in situations where they're gonna be afraid. You know, and, and this is something that uh, I think everyone should do. If you have a job that's going to cause stress, you want to put people in stressful situations. So that's how you test that fear. And again, you're not going to be able to remove the fear from people. What you want to figure out is can they overcome the fear? Yeah. That's what you want to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you say? Know that they're organized. Ne- never make an attempt unless you, unless you see they hope for victory. So you got to convince if you're telling your guys like, hey, we're probably going to lose. Yeah, yeah. You don't say that. You say, look, it's going to be hard, but there's a chance we can take this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You got to get them in that attitude, not the attitude of like, oh, we're just going to lose. We're just going out here for no reason. Yeah. Don't let that happen. Yeah. Number four. 
it is better to conquer the enemy with famine than with iron in the victory of which fortune may do more than valiantness that one's pretty self-explanatory it's better to defeat the enemy by hunger than steel you know it's better to let him starve than have to go and fight him and then he says in such a victory the fortune like your luck counts more than valiantness which is cool understandable this is one of those things where you've heard me say before the best victories are the victories where the person doesn't even know that you're fighting them Mm. that's the best victory Mm. And then if you can if you can maintain your ego after you win and you don't gloat, then right. they never even they didn't even register it. Yeah, right. They didn't know they were in a fight. They didn't even know they were in a fight. Yeah. That's what you want. This is very similar, but, but this this part I'll throw a little back at it. In such fortune, victory counts more than valiantness. Yeah, good fortune's going to help, but guess what? We're going to make our own luck. Right? We're going to make our own luck. That's mm. what we're going to do. We're gonna and we're gonna make bad luck for the enemy. We're gonna dry up rivers. We're gonna dam rivers so they can't grow food. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're gonna do. Mm. So we're gonna cut off supply chains. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make we're gonna make fortune favor us. Yeah. Number five. No purpose is better than that which is hidden from the enemy until you have executed it. Boom. Pretty straightforward. No plan is better than that, which you have concealed from the enemy until the time you execute it. No doubt. Mm. True in life, true in business, true in jujitsu. That's what just essentially the element of surprise. Element of surprise. Yeah. If you if you if your enemy doesn't know what you're gonna do, yeah, and then you're done and they go, Oh, that was a nice arm lock. Yeah. Or wow, you really took over that market share and I didn't see it coming. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't see it coming, that's really it, right? Yeah. If they see it coming from a mile away, it's like, uh Yeah. You can still do that sometimes. Dean does that. Yeah, but we yeah, we talked about that, but he does different things though. Like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he'll like many, many steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll tie up your defenses while it's on when you when you see the incoming, mm-hmm. he ties up all your defenses yeah. like as it gets close. <laughs> Number six, to know in the war how to understand occasion and to take it helpeth more than any other thing. To know in war how to understand occasion and take it helpeth more than any other thing. What does that mean? That means you, one of the best skills you can have is knowing how to recognize a good opportunity in war or in life and take advantage of that opportunity. That is more beneficial than anything else. And you know what? The biggest and most blatant example where you see this, well, your kids aren't old enough, but with kids, Mm -hmm. just kids. Kids have so much opportunity in life. Yeah. And they just don't take advantage (laughs) of it like they should. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I could see how that could be for sure, but I think that's because they have that's hard the time is, huh? connecting now and then the future. You know, I guess that's the the thing. Yeah, there's no doubt that they have. There's no doubt that they have that. Athletes, yeah, real good athletes, same thing. They have all this potential. Yeah. Anytime someone, well, not anytime. Oftentimes, somebody that are some people that are given a gift. Yeah, it's just given to them. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to work for it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to take advantage of it. They yeah. don't see the opportunity. They don't take advantage yeah. of the opportunity. Yeah. Whatever that skill set is. Yeah. 
yeah, almost like um, you know, when you give a kid a gift versus or money versus if they earn it. Yep. I think you covered that on Way of the oh. Warrior Kid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's way covered on Way of the Warrior Kid. Yeah. So when you earn it, it's like you know the hard work mm-hmm. sort of it takes, and you kind of appreciate it, and then whatever comes out of that. But yeah, if it's given to you, you just you run the risk of squandering it for sure, mm-hmm. especially when the going kind of gets rough. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt. Next, nature breedeth few strong men. The industry and the exercise maketh many. What does that mean? That means, you know, nature makes very few strong, brave men. But hard work and training makes many. Mm. Boom. (laughs) Gotta work for it. Yeah, you want people to be brave. You want people to be uh, have courage. Make them strong. Make them work hard. Yeah. That will absolutely increase their bravery. Remember that question we got asked a, a while ago about how do I make my unit? Guy was in a military military unit. How do I make them proud? How oh, do yeah. I increase their level of pride? Train hard. Yeah, they will get physically stronger. They will get mentally stronger, and from that, they will start to take pride in themselves and pride in themselves as a unit. Mm -hmm. Eight, discipline may do more in war than fury. (laughs) Figured you'd like that one. Yeah, I kind of like that one. Discipline counts more than fury in war. Discipline counts more than fury in life. I'm not discounting emotions. I'm not doing that. Because you can't. Because yeah. sometimes, man, people's emotions, they get they will carry them through a really tough time period. Yeah, That's why yeah. in Discipline Equals Freedom in the field manual, I talk about how you got to use them both. You yeah, got to yeah. use logic and you got to use emotions. Yeah. And when sometimes when emotionally it doesn't make any sense or you're going to break emotionally, you got to go with the logic of the situation. Like, I got to drive through this yeah. and vice versa. Sometimes the logic is like, this makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. You got to yeah. turn to the emotional <laughs> side. Yeah. But... Discipline, he says, may do more. And he's right. It's not 100%. It's not like discipline. Because if you have people that are just disciplined, but they have no heart, they have no emotion, mm-hmm. well, how good are they? Mm-hmm. They're not that good. Yeah. They're, they're, not, they're not as good as the person that has both. Yeah. They're not as good as a person that has discipline and a little bit of fury. Yep. They can kind of get crazy when they need to. But mm-hmm. in MMA, you see this. You'll see someone when they're young, and they'll lose some fights because they'll, they'll sit someone down or whatever, and then they'll just go crazy trying to catch them and they'll get caught in a triangle. Yeah. You have to maintain your discipline. Even during the the actual battle, you have to maintain yeah. your discipline. You can't let the fury get a hold of you. Yeah, too much. Discipline fury. Discipline right. fury, yeah. You the know, balance. You, you watched the cyborg fight, right? The recent yes. one, Amanda Nunes? Yes. So this is what it seemed like is fast. But this is what it looked like, where Cyborg landed like a solid one, mm-hmm. and Amanda Nunes, as a response, unleashed fury, <laughs> like some legit fury, fury. But it was disciplined fury, because mm-hmm. when she started landing hard ones, yep. she didn't like overcommit. She, nope. It was like really balanced, you know. She looked great, but man. there was some. There was a lot of fury. There was though. some fury. There you know, was like, some fury. Legit, like it wasn't like all just boom calculated like punches. It was there was fury. And but Tim Kennedy, someone's like, uh the UFC tweeted out like she's throwing haymakers. 
And Tim Kennedy's like, those aren't haymakers because every single one of them hit. Yeah. They were full punches yeah. from Amanda that were nailing Cyborg right in the head. Yeah. And most of the time, like you can five tell. times in a row. You yeah. don't you don't normally see five punches land. Yeah. It's especially not punches that are thrown with that much fury. fury yes. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of tell when like you see like their their uh feet when yep. they're you know throwing yep. punches like you could there's like a huge forward lean if, if they're haymakers there's mm-hmm. like these huge forward leans and they're usually pressing forward like fully mm-hmm. but when they're like disciplined mm-hmm. there's like that you see you can see the balance like they'll back up just a little bit so you know good. yeah it's good so good yeah so that's crazy discipline may do more than fury so you know what make sure you have some discipline in life all right next one number nine when any depart from the enemy's side for to come to serve thee when they be faithful they shall be unto thee always great gains for that power of the adversaries are more diminished with the loss of them that run away than those of than those that be slain although that the name of a fugitive be to new friends suspected and old too odious, too old, odious. So what is he, he's talking about traitors there. That's what he's mm-hmm. talking about. So when you say, when any depart from the enemy's side to come serve you, mm-hmm. so when, when people leave the enemy and they come to serve with you, they're gonna be more loyal. And they're a great, they're a great acquisition. <laughs> and actually, he's saying that people that leave the enemy and come to your side are more powerful for you than people that, that you've killed. And they they have more value. The when they come aboard your team, mm-hmm. they're going to be suspected. You know, the the, the old the, the, your team is going to look at them with like a cautious eye. Mm. And the team that they left are going to hate them. Yeah, they're going to hate them. That was weird when Solzhenitsyn was saying that when they would capture the Russian turncoat soldiers that were now fighting for the Nazis. Mm-hmm. As soon as they spoke any Russian, they'd kill him. That was that was a pretty scary thought. So this is very accurate from that perspective. Yeah. Like if you're a traitor, we're not even going to give you a chance. We're yeah. just going to kill you. Yeah. Wait. So who? Wait. Who? So the Russians, the Russians didn't kill him. The, no. The Ch- so there was a whole group of Russian soldiers yeah. that turned against Stalin and turned against Russia and started fighting for the Nazis. Yeah. And so when the Russians would capture those, what they considered to be traitors, as soon as they heard a soldier speaking Russian, they'd kill him. The Nazis, you mean? They were, they were Russian soldiers fighting for the Nazis. Was it right. Vossel? That was the guy's name. Yeah. So there was a, a German, or sorry, a Russian general that was the leader of that whole group, the Vassal Army, I think was the name. Yeah. And so when the Russian, Stalin's Russian actual red soldiers would capture these traitors that were fighting against them now. Yeah, yeah. They would, if they heard him speaking Russian, they'd kill him. Hmm. So this is, from that perspective, it's accurate. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder why they're more valuable, you think, because what? Because... 
or or loyal. You said loyal, right? Too well. The 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 Russian soldiers that were now fighting for the Nazis, they would fight to the death because they knew that they were dead anyways. Right. If they got captured. Yeah, like if they got yeah. So yeah, they were sense. they would fight even harder. Uh, the thing that I'm not sure about this is, well, I, I guess I agree with it. I, I do agree with it. When someone's a traitor. You're suspect of them, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. just you're just like, cheater. hey, if you get yeah, you're a cheater, oh, yeah. you're a traitor. I'm suspect of you. Yeah. So it's going to take a little time yeah. for me to actually trust that you really came to my side. Yeah. But I guess like when you think about just like how you said, you know, they know they're dead anyway, kind of thing. Where it's like, okay, let's say me and you were enemies, or whatever, and one of my guys goes to you and says, hey, I give up. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. I give up. You're like, okay, he gives up. I get it. Yeah. And let's see what he has to offer kind of thing. Yeah, but, but I'm suspect. Yeah, but you're suspect. But let's say a guy in your team used to be on my team. Mm-hmm. And I know that. I'm pissed at that guy. Yeah. And then he gives up now to me, to my guys. Like mm-hmm. my guys see him or whatever. And he's like, hey, I give up. I'll help you. Oh, no, no, no. You don't give up. You're dead. Yeah. So it's like that. Like how you well, say they know exactly, they're dead exactly anyway. That's exactly what the Russians did to the Vassal soldiers. Yeah. So you, Oh, you traded? Okay, cool. You're dead. And that makes sense, right? Mm. So that's probably why they have to be loyal because it's either loyalty or death. Yes. You know, they can't give up anymore. If I am not a traitor, I can give up mm-hmm. and get, be POW, be whatever. I can, I can give up. Mm-hmm. I have that option. Traitor who already made the trade, he doesn't have that yeah. option. That's why he's loyal. He has to be loyal. Yeah, at a minimum, he's going to fight to the death. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that traders are you know in the business world because in the business world you know there's everyone's always recruiting there's yeah. limited number of the human capital limits in, yeah. in, in the world and we can only get so many people that can do this job mm-hmm. and if you have skills in that job you're getting recruited all the time and so that's that hurts when they leave mm. and that's why and and just to kind of close the loop on this, when they leave, almost all the time, the reason the reason that they're leaving is because of leadership, hmm. or I should say, lack of leadership inside their organization. So if you have a if you have a problem hanging on to people in your organization, it's most likely a leadership problem, not a comp problem, not a midlife crisis problem for the employee. Yeah. It's a leadership problem hmm. because good. Good people will stay with good leaders. And if there's not good leaders, they're looking for another job. They're looking for another way. They're looking for another opportunity. Yeah. Makes sense. Leadership, leadership, leadership. Get some. Number 10. Better it is in pitching the field to reserve behind the first front aid enough than to make the front bigger to disperse the soldiers. What that's saying is it's better to keep your reserves just behind the keep some reserves just behind the front lines rather than spread out your reserves and take on a bigger front, try and hold more area. It's yeah. better to you know, this is prioritized and execute, right? Mm-hmm. Keep your keep your focus of effort. Mm-hmm. Even with your reserves, keep focus of effort. Keep them consolidated so you can utilize them well. Mm-hmm. Next up, number eleven. He is difficultly overcome, which can know his own power and the same of the enemy. Okay. Let's that was almost like a, a Yoda 
type. <laughs> sure. He is difficultly overcome. So what we're saying there is it's hard to overcome someone who knows how to recognize or knows and understands his own power and the power of the enemy. So what does that mean? Know your strengths and weaknesses. That's what it means. Yeah, Sun Tzu says that, right? If yes. something about yes. winning the deal. Definitely. Number 12. The valiantness of the soldiers availeth more than the multitude. Sometimes the situation helpeth more than the valiantness. Okay, so what we're talking about there is that the bravery of the soldiers is worth more than the number of soldiers you have. Makes sense. If you have brave, courageous soldiers, they can take a lot more. They can do a lot more than people or soldiers that are afraid. So you want brave soldiers. And then it says... The sight, what does it say? That sometimes the situation helpeth more than the valiantness. So even that what trumps the courageous and what trumps the bravery is what's the what's the terrain situation? You know, what's the environment that you're in? What are the rules of the game? What are the rules of the game that you're playing? Because if you if you know the rules, you're gonna be in a, a much better situation. The uh this happens in jujitsu. Right? Yes. Because the rules are always a little bit different. There's no unified set of rules in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. There's some close, but there's no unified set of rules. And sometimes someone will lose simply because they don't know the rules. Yeah. And then once you know the rules, you got to train to the rules. Yes. Like EBI. Yes. EBI, you have those positions that you start up in. Mm-hmm. If you're in overtime, you start in spider web, you start on the back, right? Right. If you don't, if you don't, if once you know those rules, then you got to practice those positions so yeah. you can finish the arm lock, so you can finish from the back, or for, you can escape from either one of those two. Yeah. If you don't know that and you don't practice it, because, like, for instance, I'm pretty good at finishing an arm lock. Pretty good at finishing an arm lock. Sure. On the back, I normally transition from the back to another position. Mm. So I would, if I was going to an EBI tournament, I'd have to go and focus on what that rule set is and make sure I know how to win from that position. Yeah, yeah, fully. Yeah, big one is the submission only versus points. Mm-hmm. So if people like, let's say they spend 10 years competing with points mm-hmm. in the tournaments you mm-hmm. know then they go to submission only with a guy who's only trains in submission only yeah, yeah. he's gonna out you know he's gonna have an adv- advantage yeah in all these different yeah different ways because certain rules don't apply some do yeah, yeah. and the terrain part man this is this is it took me a while to understand this in my navy career how important terrain is mm. and now it's so obvious but when you're maneuvering on the battlefield, if you know how to read terrain well, you have a complete advantage over the enemy. Complete mm-hmm. advantage over the enemy. You should be paying attention to that terrain, studying maps, looking at it. And now they have all these. You can you can simulate the earth, right? It's like Google Maps, like a high speed where you can get down at eye level and you can walk the terrain and really understand what the visibility is. Like that's the kind of that's that's you should you got to take advantage of those tools. Mm. You got to understand the terrain. You got to understand the terrain that you're going into in the business world. You go got to go into a company understanding what the situation is there. Mm. When you get hired into a new company, you want to know the terrain. Mm. You want to know who's got the clout. Yep. You want to know who the movers and shakers are. Mm. 
You want to know what things are off limits and whatever. Yeah. Want to know who's buying? Who's like, buying? Like you know how they, they, you know, people always say this is a, a billion dollar industry, right? Mm. Like that kind of stuff. Like, oh, is it, you know, how's the, what's the need for your product? I'm remembering because I watch Shark Tank. This mm-hmm. is what they always ask. What, what, what was the, uh, was this a particular product? Or no, 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 er, everyone. Like pretty much that's one of the things like they ask or they say. They'll be like, oh yeah, this is like a million, ho- you know, a million people own pets, you know, and mm-hmm. all these pets need this, you know. So you, <laughs> see, you see what I'm saying? So they kind of, they got to know the terrain in that way. Yeah, that's true. If statement. they don't know how true many statement. people uh, have pets, then... They don't know how many people are gonna buy that shampoo, you know. <laughs> so you gotta know that one, dude. Shark Tank. We maybe we should just do a leadership show about Shark Tank. <laughs> what you've learned from Shark Tank. Oh, sure. <laughs> Next up, number thirteen. New and sudden thing make armies afraid. Slow and accustomed things be little regarded of them. Therefore. Make thy army practice and to know with small fights a new enemy before thou come to fight the field with him. Middle English coming at you. So what what is that? What basically what we're saying here is number one, new and surprising things frighten armies. The new and surprising things frighten people. So on the Opposing to that, customary and expected things they can handle. So what do you do? How do you do? How do you how do you properly mitigate that? Therefore, you practice and you fight small engagements to get them experienced before you go to battle on the big battlefield with them, with the enemy. That's what you do. Train hard. Don't dive right in. Get them used to the new technology. That, that's what you do. This is good, another good one with kids, right? You don't throw your kid into this scenario that they haven't been into before. You give them a little taste of it. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is exposure therapy once again. Yeah. I get asked on the Warrior Kid podcast. I get asked every, like, every day I get at least one question from a kid mm. that's I'm afraid of what do I do. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I usually wait two or three podcasts before I answer the same question again because mm. it's kids. They got to get the repetition. They got to get the reps in. Yeah, but it's exposure therapy. You're afraid of something? Cool. Do a little bit of it, then do a little bit more, and that's unknowingly what I did in Way of the Warrior Kid one mm. with him overcoming his fear of the water. Mm. I didn't know that that was a real thing. Not until Jordan Peterson was like, <laughs> this is called exposure therapy. Yeah, or, yeah. I guess I need to talk like Kermit the Frog to <laughs> imitate Jordan. But sure. but he's like, yeah, that's exposure therapy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Next. Number 13. Now we're on to number 14. He that with disorder followeth the enemy after that he is broken will do no other than to become of a conqueror, a loser. If you pursue a routed enemy in a disorganized manner, victory will be lost and you'll become a loser. Keep it under control. A la Amanda Nunez, yeah, right? Sure. She had the victory. And the, you ever seen that that one real quick clip? And I forget who the fighter is that did it. It was in UFC. The guy takes a body shot. 
and he, he keels over like he's about to like go down and yeah. the dude comes running in swinging yeah in the dude that's keeled over like he's hurt just crack just yeah. he wasn't hurt he was just faking it yeah i think he was hurt talk about scott he, uh, yeah maybe he was hurt but he wasn't hurt as bad as he right right across. he's functional apparently yeah, apparently he's functional because yeah. he knocked the dude out yeah it was the last thing his, his nickname is drago i know that it's interesting that that stuff doesn't happen more often it's like f- trick football plays yeah how come more trick football plays don't happen because they'd lose their trickery element of it. And sometimes there's a lot of risk involved. There's more risk than like a traditional mm. play a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like like the rope-a-dope. Remember that? The rope-a-dope? Oh, you, like Muhammad Ali? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You essentially like act like you're kind of hurt or tired mm. or whatever. And then they punch themselves out. Then you get them. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful on that kind of stuff. So when you do have your enemy on the run don't go after him crazy crazy, keep it under control yeah there is a play in football called the reverse right and i thought that because you just said why don't they run because you know i didn't play football yeah and when you see the trick plays yeah then you think well that seemed to work pretty good why don't they do that stuff more often yeah yeah okay so here's a common trick play right they um the quarterback does a, a sweep right mm-hmm. to the guy, to the running back that runs on the outside, and then the running back oh he stops before he reaches the line of scrimmage. He stops and he throws the football not to a receiver but to the quarterback mm-hmm. who ran a route on the other side of the field, and because no one's going to cover the quarterback, he's not a receiver, you know. And now oh. he's wide open to pass. Now he's wide open. What's so, that called? Uh, we called it pass back to the quarterback. So okay. it'd be like 38 sweep pass back to the quarterback. Okay. But I can see where there's risk in that one. Yes, because that's a running back. Yeah, He's got a quarterback. Back. So <laughs> he got to nail that throw, which is really hard for a running back typically. But I'd say the, the one that would always work is in Pop Warner anyway. It would always work is the reverse. It's essentially like you do a sweep. Everyone's running this way to block for this running back. Everyone except for the one tight end or the wide receiver, mm-hmm. or whatever, who's coming this way, and the running back hands it off to him going this way. So mm-hmm. he's full speed running this way. So everyone has to change direction to chase him. Mm-hmm. And usually that side of the field's wide open. Um, it works way better in Pop Warner and younger teams because mm-hmm. they don't know like these these situations like. They don't know. They just see everyone running there, and they just sort of go, you know, more than a professional. They're going to yeah. be like, wait, I shouldn't just be, you know. Um, but that was one I was like, why don't we just always run the reverse? Because every time this is this team that we played against, they'd always run it, and it always Well, worked. I understand why if you ran it every time, well, yeah. then then the regular reverse or whatever, the regular play would become the surprise. But it seems like... It seems like you could keep people guessing a little bit more. Those trick plays always seem. I always look at them and go, "That was pretty creative and pretty good." Yeah, yeah. I think you see it like um, kind of like I said, like when you go up in um, like skill, like if you go into the mm-hmm. pros or whatever. Trick plays don't work as good. They have to be really advanced trick plays. That's when you have you ever you seen know, like the trick play that like where they like almost walk off the field. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they like walk over like there's something wrong with the ball or something. Right. They like stand up and they'll be like, no, something's right. wrong. And, they, and then they just start running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even that and then those can backfire, too, because they'll be like if all it takes is one defensive person to, to know that, up. hey, that ball is in play right now. Mm-hmm. So they just, can just sort of walk over and hit it out of the hand, grab it from whatever they want, because mm-hmm. no one's blocking them. You know, yeah. no one's like everyone. It's kind of it's just risky. Check. You get more people doing that. They're going to be like, oh, 
they're hip to it and it, it would never work not sure. after a while um, number 15 he that prepareth not necessary victuals to live upon is overcome without iron so um, whoever does not prepare food and provisions necessary to live is going to be overcome without any weapons at all so what does that mean take care of your people take care make sure you take care of your logistics logistics wins wars and people need to survive so do that number 16 he that trusteth more in horsemen than in footmen or more in footmen than in horsemen must accommodate himself with the situation so in the ancient times you had cavalry on horses and you had the infantrymen on feet and he's saying if you prefer one over the other then you have to put yourself in the right situation where it's advantageous. So that's why it's good to be well-balanced and not really prefer one over the other. But if you do, then put yourself in a situation that's most advantageous to your style or preference of fighting. Mm. Make sure you learn how to wrestle. Because right. <laughs> if, if you don't know how to wrestle, someone else is going to dictate to you where that fight's going to go. Yeah. 17. When thou write, see if in the day there be coming any spy into the camp, cause every man to go into his lodge. Okay, so what we're saying is this. It's pretty straightforward. Basic head count. If you want to see if there's a spy in the camp, send everyone to their place. You know, get a head count. No mm. big deal. 18. Change purpose when thou perceives that the enemy hath foreseen it. What does that mean? If you if you think the enemy or if you perceive that the enemy knows what you're doing, then change your plan. Mm. That's, that's what that means. Pretty straightforward. Now, where we don't do that or the reason most of the time we don't do that is because of our ego. We got our plan and we're gonna stick to it. Now this is a total, this is why leadership is hard. Because there's a point where your plan, you got your plan and if you stick to your plan, you can. it's gonna work, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a point where you stick in your plan, you're sticking with the plan and it's gonna fail because it's not working. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, this is one of the hardest things to do as leaders to recognize like, you know what? The plan that I came up with, it's not going to be perfect, but it's still going to work and we're going to go with it. Because to try and change the plan halfway through is really hard to do, Mm -hmm. even if you rehearse the contingencies. Mm -hmm. Now, if you rehearse the contingencies properly, you're probably going to be able to execute your new plan pretty easily. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't, it's going to be a problem. So this is one of the hardest things for a leader to do is to pay enough attention and then weigh the risk versus reward. Because if you're coming up with, if you have your plan and you're executing the plan, and all of a sudden something changes, it's not quite what you thought, and you decide you're gonna try and do something completely different, What your changes that you make on the fly are gonna cause as much confusion as what the enemy's doing, yeah. and it's gonna be a real problem. Mm. However, like this says, if the enemy sees what you're doing and now they're reacting to it in a proper way and your plan is no longer effective, you have to be able to, you have to be able to comprehend that and discern whether you should change or not. And that's one of the hardest things for lead, uh, hardest decisions for a leader to make as it's happening. Mm. Uh, what's worse than that is when we have a long period of time, when you start talking about strategic plans, mm. this is where ego gets more involved. Because yeah. when I have this plan and this is what we're going to do, 
and I'm just gonna stick with it. And if it's not working, I'm gonna do it harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what you wanna watch out for. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like some of these um, companies being taken down by online companies, right? You gotta change your game plan. Yeah. You know, you gotta adjust, you gotta look at them and say, okay, what are they doing? Where are they going? You know, Blockbuster, like, I, like I've said this before, Blockbuster could have could have completely dominated Netflix. Yeah. But what did they do? Nope, we're just over here, hey, people are gonna keep coming to our stores. Yeah. You know, there's a certain feeling that you get when you come into a store and you get to look at and browse with the movies, it's almost yeah. like you get to pick up popcorn, where are you gonna get popcorn at your house? <laughs> you know, people are gonna wanna yeah. keep coming into these stores. Yeah. Right? No, actually they're not. Yeah. They already have popcorn at their house. Amazon delivered it yesterday <laughs> in an hour, by the way. Yeah, your terrain too on that one. And yet, they had all the relationships with the movie places. Mm. The, with the what are those movie companies called? What are the production companies? What's like? Sure. What's Warner Brothers? What is that? Yeah, production studio. Yeah, they oh they had studio. They got the relationships with the studios. They could have been like, hey, we're gonna start selling this stuff online. Yeah. And they would have said, well, that doesn't make any sense because it's going to be all jumbled up when it gets downloaded. Yeah, but it's going to get better. We're just playing the long game. Yeah, it's weird that block. Instead, they were thinking, you know, it's too hard to download a movie on the internet. It's going to be jumbled up. There's going to be buffering. No one even knew what buffering. Did Netflix invent buffering? (laughs) No, buffering is just the internet situation. Yeah, when it has to catch up. But do you remember five years ago? There was yeah. buffering on all kinds of stuff. Oh, now, yeah. now there's hardly any buffering. Barely any buffering. I yeah. bet my littlest daughter doesn't even know what buffering is. She's in there just <laughs> streaming. <laughs> I'm sure she knows what it is, but she has never witnessed it. Yeah. Well, then again, you know, you get bad service somewhere. Yeah. You know, you get some buffering. They weren't wrong. They, I mean, they were wrong. Block, blockbuster. Mm-hmm. But they just the whole idea of like people like coming into Blockbuster and browsing yeah, the movies yeah. and buying the thing is that's true. Like we did like doing that. Yeah. But it's because we didn't have a better option. Yeah. You know? Like when you go like even going to the store, sometimes it's kinda cool and fun, you know, sometimes. But most of the time at the end of the mm. day I'd rather press a button than go to the store. I'd rather press a button too. Every single time. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. the, and there's also that thing where you you're it's a positive feedback loop, right? It's an echo chamber. I like going to, you know, two of those people in the in the C-suite of Blockbuster. Like, you know, my wife loves going down and picking out a new yeah. movie with the kids. <laughs> yeah. They love doing that, you know. And then yeah. someone's like, yeah, you know, my kids love that too. So, And my teenage daughter likes doing it too with her friends. And like yeah, you said, that's because yeah. there's no other option. Yeah. Your teenage daughter would be rather be in a room, alone in a room clicking on the next Netflix movie. Yep. Popping her popcorn that got delivered earlier. Yeah. So, if you... If you are on a strategy and it's not working, you got to recognize that you need to change it. Note to self, everyone in the leadership position, pay attention to that one. Next up, number 20. Soldiers, when they abide at home, are maintained with fear and punishment after when they are led to the war with hope and with reward. What's that saying? Is When soldiers are confined to their quarters, they're kept there by fear and punishment when they're led to war, they're led by hope and reward. You know, fear for me is just not a good tool for a leader to use, period. I'm not saying you never, this is, I'm not saying you should never use it, right? Mm. You, there should be some element, a little element of fear, right? Just a little bit of element of fear. Sure. Right? Let me ask you this Do your kids have any fear of you at all? Because you seem real nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they do, yeah. There's, there's, there's at some. least enough. A yeah. healthy, 
element. Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, healthy, but I don't know. I don't really know what the standard of healthy fear levels are, but yeah. But we agree that there is a healthy level of fear. I agree with even that, Even with yes. your kids. Yes. Your kids shouldn't just think that, that there's going to be no repercussions for anything that they do. Yeah. Your troops should also feel a healthy level of fear. Yeah. And it's hard to even use that word because the word is so negative. Yeah. But there should at least be a level of like, mm, you know what? Right. We want to do that. Yeah. You know, there's a line with Jocko and you don't want to cross it. Yeah. There's a yeah. line with dad, Echo. Mm. He seems real nice and all cruisy. <laughs> I, th- I think I am a little bit too cruisy, though, for sure. <laughs> so sometimes you do have to make sure people understand that if they cross the line, there's going to be a problem. And my kids definitely understand if they cross the line, there's going to be a problem. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a real problem. It doesn't too. surprise me. <laughs> and it keeps them in check. Yeah. Next up, 20. And I'm pretty lenient. I'm pretty cruisy. You're actually surprisingly cruisy yeah. and lenient. Everyone thinks I'm going to be the uh, great Santini. You've probably never seen that movie. No. Yeah. But you don't want to raise your kids like that. What, what's you, the, who's the great? Well, you Santini don't want to be thing? all militant and impose discipline on your kids, and make them number one reliant on your discipline mm. instead of their discipline. Mm. I don't want to. You don't want anyone like that. You don't want your team to be like that, where they're reliant on you barking at them to tell them what to do. You don't want that. Then they can't yeah. function for themselves. Yeah. You don't want your kids to be that way either. You yeah. want your kids to think, you know what? I need to make a good decision. I could slack off, or I could do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do because I know it's going to be beneficial in the end. Yeah. As opposed to I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do only because I'm afraid that my dad's going to yell at me or yeah. ground me or take away my computer or smash one of my favorite toys. Yeah. Yeah, you don't... You. I mean, the, the assumption, I think, anyway, would be that you're like more drill sergeant Yeah. I'm not even drill sergeant I'm never... I know. You're, you're <laughs> I know. not. But... I think it's like when you look at you or maybe if you just said like one or two sound bites and you're like, oh, he's Joseph. There's recordings, many recordings of when I used to debrief SEAL platoons. Okay. And I'm going to try and get some of those. And what is it? (laughs) They're just, well, it's it's definitely, I could see it's not drill sergeant E. Yeah. But it's definitely direct and can be pretty harsh from time to time. Yeah. So like that's what I understand people would probably but but that was usually it would only be that way if somebody really did something egregious because most of the time it'd be like hey what do you think what do you what were you thinking about over here debrief yeah. me on that you know what I mean so yeah. yeah and it's all contextual too like you know I guess it's kind of natural like let's say I heard that right I didn't really know you're nothing and I heard that and I'd be like okay he's real direct and real real strict mm-hmm. and like all this stuff so it's just natural to be like oh because he's that kind of guy mm-hmm. you know rather than kind of the understand the nuance like okay he's talking to these people yeah, in this at situation. this time yeah and then versus but then again then that opens it up who knows then how you'd be so you just your mind just sort of wants to just attach yeah what they have witnessed you know to everything yeah well even drill instructors aren't like drill instructors yeah i mean it's a it's a training methodology yeah there's see. a purpose for them to act that way see and you know that because you've been around because these that people. type of leader isn't doesn't function mm. That type of leader is not good. Mm-hmm. That type of person isn't going to function within a team. Yeah. So you can't. You just can't be that way. Is there a level of intensity? Sure. Yeah. Do I bring a level of intensity sometimes? Yes, absolutely. Yes, sir. But 
that's not the way to go through life imposing discipline and fear into your team. You'll end up with either one of two things, a broken team that relies on you for their discipline or a team that mutinies against you and comes up and kills you. Yeah. Frags you in the as they did in the nom. <laughs> Next number 21. Good captains come never to fight the field except necessity constrain them and occasion call them. So what that's saying is good, you know, good captains, good leaders never enter into the engagement unless it's completely necessary. That's a, that's a great point. And mm-hmm. this is one of those things where if you're in a leadership position, you shouldn't be doing the you shouldn't be shooting your gun at the enemy. You should be observing your team shooting the gun and looking to see where the enemy is maneuvering to. Yeah. This is a this is about detachment right here. Yeah. Don't get in the mix. Stay detached. Decentralized command. Let the team maneuver. Mm. Let them understand what the commander's intent is and let them maneuver towards victory. You stay back a little bit and monitor. Go diving in there. Does that apply to, because you're the one who kind of said this example to me one time. I forget if it was on here or not, but you're like, um, it was about when your kid's tying their shoes you know yeah let's say like i don't know you're late for school or we're yep. running late or whatever yep. and they're having a hard time tying the shoes yeah you're like let them tie the shoes yep. don't jump in and be like i'll do it you know kind of thing. i did say that, that and i've said it a bunch of times that's a real simple example that's a little bit more towards the last question or towards the last discussion that we just got into i mean if you let your if you if you tie your shoes for your kids all the time they don't learn how to time yeah. And furthermore, you literally are taking away their opportunity to learn some fine motor skills yeah. at that moment. Sure. This is not the same as that. Okay. This is this is on a broader perspective. Your team is doing so. Your team is in a firefight, mm-hmm. and you pick up your gun. You go on the front line and you start shooting at the enemy. Well, now who's leading? Right now, right. who's looking around? Yeah. This is the same as you know. You're in a business situation, and your team is trying to come up with a plan, and they're arguing amongst themselves, and you jump in there and start arguing too. Now you don't have a good perception of you should be just standing back listening to the various arguments take place and I'm not talking about arguments where people are yelling and screaming. I'm talking about a a discussion yeah. where they're arguing different possible courses of action yeah. If you dive right into those and you start becoming involved at point-blank range you lose all your perspective So instead you step back you don't you don't you don't go into the field Yeah, you don't dive into the argument you step back and you watch the fight unfold. And then as the fight unfolds, you see the best options because you're at altitude and you're not at point blank range one foot from the enemy fire. Yeah. This is just detached, decentralized command. Next up, 22. Cause that enemies, cause that the enemies know not how thou right order thy army to fight and in whatsoever manner that thou ordainst it make that the first band be received of the second and the third middle english get some what are we talking about here well cause your enemies no not so that means you don't want your enemies to understand how you're going to organize your your army to fight that's what this is you, you want to confuse your enemy. You don't want them to know exactly what you're going to do. And then the second part, 
make it make that the first band may be received to the second and third. I'm pretty sure I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that that's just talking about mutually supporting positions. So you want to set your team up so that they can support each other. So confuse the enemy, don't give up the plan, and set your teams up so they can help each other. Once your team, once a team is alone and unsupportable, they're alone. Mm. Try not to let that happen. Twenty-three. In the fight, never occupy a battle to any other thing than to the same for which thou hast appointed it. If thou wilt make no disorder. It's a good day. It's, it's modern English appreciation. Day. Yeah. What makes it hard too is they spell even words that you know. Oh. They spell them all different. And just so you know, you're looking at this. I actually tightened up some of the spelling and made some of the spelling <laughs> more modern yeah, because yeah. I just so couldn't. It. it was harder to track, man. Yeah, it's harder to track. Again, this this thing was interpreted from Italian in 1560 by George, was it George Whitehead was getting after the translation. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, it just it's it's interesting and this is the same thing you know i said that when we did shakespeare don't need to do more shakespeare but people think oh i should just understand shakespeare you're not going to understand shakespeare yeah. it's almost a different language yeah. so you need to actually break it down like we're doing with these various statements so what this one is saying is don't use uh, a, a company. Don't use a don't use a, a unit for a purpose other than what you've assigned it, unless you want to cause disorder, <laughs> unless you want to cause chaos. Hmm. So you've got your team; they're assigned to do this. Let them do that. Now, obviously, that can be problematic. So we need to mitigate that because there's times when team is going to have to do something that you don't want it to do, yeah. and so. I'll give you a little example. When you're doing an assault on a target, Mm -hmm. you have two elements, the base element and the maneuver element. The base element is gonna stay in position, they're gonna sneak up on the target, Mm -hmm. and then the maneuver element's gonna sneak over to the flank, and then the base element's gonna start firing massive firepower at the target. Mm -hmm. And then the maneuver element, after a little bit, will stand up and start to go through the target, they shift fire off the target, and then you clear the target. So, when I was a young kid in the terms, back in the days, so we would we would you know like let's do this, yeah. So we're gonna hit this target. We're gonna do a fire and maneuver on this target, mm. base and maneuver. So what we would do is say, okay, let's take all of our heavy machine guns mm. and put them in the base element, and then the guys with the little pea shooters, the little little M sixteen pea shooters. All those guys will be on the assault because they're light and they'll be able to maneuver really quickly through the, get to the target and then go through the target. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. And I remember the first time I presented this type of plan to one of the old guys from Nam. He's like, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Why not, Master Chief? This way we have more firepower in our base and our maneuver guys can maneuver more quickly. Here's the problem. When that maneuver element is going towards the target, what happens if they get compromised and contacted and now they're they're the ones that have to lay down their base. They can't get up and move because they're being shot at. Mm. So guess who has to move? The base element has to move. Mm. And they can't move very well if they're only getting uh, cover fire from little pea shooters. 
so you keep your integrity of your squads and you utilize them that way and it's like oh mm-hmm. so what you want to do in this situation is you want to make sure that your elements can are capable of doing each other's jobs maybe not to the fullest extent right. but they at least need to be somewhat capable so maybe you put one machine gun in the expected one extra machine gun in yeah. the expected base element and now you only have a couple machine guns in the maneuver element but you got them if you need them so I don't 100% agree with that. That being said, you definitely want to let people do the job that they were assigned to do. Makes sense, right? You've trained them. You've assigned it. Let's let's try and keep the plan as it's supposed to be. Yeah. To the best of our ability, but we're thinking. We're not black and white here. Yeah. Leadership is not easy. Um, you know, another thing is when you establish your teams, you try and use those teams for everything, if you can. Mm. And again, this is a dichotomy because as much as you want to keep your teams together, you also have to train them to be split up and broken up and combined and mismatched all together. Mm. And I would always do this with all my fire teams. Mm. So the fire teams would stick together as much as humanly possible. But guess what? I would also train them that if they were all scrambled up, someone would step up, take lead, and that'd be a new fire team. Mm. And we'd start making stuff happen. Mm. Next up, 24. The Sodine accidents with difficulty are remedied. Those that are thought upon with faculty. <laughs> I had to look up Sodine because I, I couldn't even tr- get a clue on what that one was, but it's some sort of le- leader or a ruler. It's actually a ruler. Mm. And this is, this is a, this is, a, so he's saying, the Sodine accidents, the leadership accidents with difficulty are remedied, are hard to fix. Mm. When leadership screws up, it's hard to fix. Those that are thought upon are, are, are with difficulty are remedied if you use your head quickly. Mm. So yeah, there's gonna be leadership problems and they're hard to fix unless you think and think quickly. Mm. How do you, how can you, improve your uh, speed of thinking. Do you know how you can do that? Practice. Practice. So, speed of thinking. Let's say get experience too, right? Because experience yeah. gives you the practice. Yeah, yeah, it's experience. If I've seen something before, it's I'm going to know a thousand times faster how I'm going to react to it. Yeah. If I haven't seen it before, I, it takes me a while just to comprehend what's in front of my face. Hmm. Yeah. So, that's why when we train, we train to throw things. Okay, so first of all, when we train, we want to throw things at people that different scenarios, different things happening where they start to get pattern recognition. Oh, I've seen this type of thing before. Mm. On top of that, you also want to train people what to do or how to react when they've never seen it before. They've never seen anything like this before. Because if I show you, let's say I'm training you for, well, I guess we might as well just use a jiu-jitsu tournament, right? We just sure. use jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I'm training you for jiu-jitsu situ- situations, right? And mm-hmm. I teach you how to defend this, and I teach you how to defend that, and I teach you how to defend this, and I teach you how to defend that, right? I teach you how to defend 10 different things, and you get pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. I also have to teach you a broad concept of what to do when there's something that you don't recognize. Right. So, 
Hey, if the guy grabs your arm, I want you to pull your arm here. Hey, if the guy starts to go for your neck, I want you to swim your arm, your hand underneath and tuck your chin. Mm-hmm. If the guy starts pulling towards your back, I want you to shift your leg up and so he can't maneuver around there. So I'm gonna give you exact steps to execute if you see these things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna say this. If he's doing something you don't recognize, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tuck your elbows in, I want you to posture, and I want you to control his hips. Oh, okay. And then you'll start to be able to recognize what's going on, at least you're gonna survive. I want you to detach and step back and say, what's he attacking? Same thing with combat. I'm gonna train you, like, hey, if he does this, you do that. If he does that, you do this. If you have no idea what's happening, here's what I want you to do. Get into a 360 degree perimeter, Listen, right? I mean, whatever that that situation's gonna call for, if you don't know what's happening, like if I don't know where I'm getting flanked from or if I don't know where I'm getting shot at from, mm-hmm. hey, everyone, take a knee, get cover. Mm-hmm. Don't just start shooting because that's gonna cause confusion. It's also gonna give away our position. Yeah. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna go into a 360 degree perimeter, we're gonna hold what we got, we're gonna listen. That's our, that's our, that's our, if we don't recognize what's happening, that's what we're gonna do. So we have standard operating procedures for things that we recognize, and we actually also have something to do if we don't recognize. We have a procedure for non-recognition. Yeah. Which yeah, is which is important. It's kind of like, I mean, it's different, I guess, but it kind of maybe fits in with, you know, how people always say, expect the unexpected kind of thing. So it kind of fits in yes. there. Where you're essentially trained for unexpected stuff. Right. Like you I have would the say, protocol. I would say go one, yes, that's the important part. It's not just expect the unexpected, it's have a protocol for when something unexpected happens, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, because a lot of times when something unexpected, I'm thinking jujitsu too right now, it's because that's on purpose. You know, like these guys with these weird games, these weird tall, flexible guys or something like that, they have these weird games and they'll do stuff that they know or they kind of rely upon you not have seen it before, like Mm -hmm. you didn't see it before. So they can capitalize when you start to panic you know or when you can you know if let's say your arm is out here like Mm -hmm. um like there's some leg locks that that uh require you to kind of try to spin out of it then they'll catch Mm -hmm. you with something else Mm -hmm. right it's kind of that Mm -hmm. so if you have a protocol that's just like i don't know whatever the protocol is Mm -hmm. safety protocol Mm -hmm. you know it not only keeps you safe just in, in statistically speaking you know chances are it'll keep you safe but it'll jam up their game yeah. Overall, you know, especially these people that, that they, they they capitalize on you panicking and not knowing yeah. what to do. You know, and you want to have some kind of a reset position. And I used to use this with fighters like, hey, here's your reset position. Like, just get to here because yeah. you're comfortable there. Get them under control, control their hips, whatever. Yeah. Combat, same thing. Oh, you're, 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 everyone's confused. Everyone's mixed up. Guys are all over the place. Let's get to a reset position in a building. Yeah. Boom. yeah. And now everyone knows where we are. We get control of ourselves. Yeah. Business. Same thing. We got, we got scenario that we don't know what's happening. You know what? General quarters. Like, hey, we're all going to go to our normal positions. We're going to stand by because we don't know what's happening right, right now. Right. So you got to have not just to expect the unexpected, you've gotta have a protocol to follow when something is occurring that you don't understand yet. Some kind of a reset position. Mm -hmm. Put that in your world. Next up, number 25. Men, iron, money, and bread be the strength of the war. But of these four, the first two be most necessary. 
because men and iron find money and bread, but money and bread find not men and iron. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty pretty cool, pretty self-explanatory. Now, let me let's go to a business perspective here. A business perspective here because this is a this can help people make decisions in the business world. When you're going to make expenditures, when you are going to invest in something in your company, it is important to assess whether or not you are investing in something that is going to help you build, is going to help you grow, or if you're investing in something that is not. Mm -hmm. So for instance, let's say, let's say, hey, our, our, we could either take, you know, $50,000 and remodel our current office, Mm -hmm. or we can take $50,000 and we can rent this new sub office in an area that we don't have any um, presence in. Mm -hmm. So which one is a better investment? Like we don't really need that remodel of our office. Mm -hmm. This other thing is going to help us actually grow. So make sure that the investments that you're making, the first thing you want to invest in is men and iron, Mm -hmm. right? You don't want to invest in money and bread. Money and bread is going to be gone. Yeah. And it doesn't reproduce. It doesn't reproduce itself. Whereas men and steel is going to get you more of that bread and iron in the long run. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, bread and money. All right, number 26. The unarmed rich man is a booty to the poor soldier. (laughs) What does that mean? It means that the unarmed rich man is the prize (laughs) of the poor soldier. That's what it means. It means means be armed. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the last one. Number 27. Accustom thy soldiers to despise delicate living and luxurious apparel. I like that one. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Get your people, get your soldiers to despise delicate living. Despise comfort. Despise luxurious clothing. That's what I'm talking about. They'll be better soldiers. They'll be better people. I understand. You feel like I'm talking to you right now? (laughs) What? The connoisseur of comfort? The connoisseur of comfort is in in my firing line right now. Yeah, I I dig it, man. Obviously, I can't disagree with that because, dang, I mean, yeah. When you've been uncomfortable for an extended period of time, does it not make you a better person? A little bit. Yeah, it does. There we go. Yeah. You know, the whole idea, be comfortable with You've told me the story of you because I know it doesn't rain a lot here, but you used your kettlebells in the rain the other day. You've told yeah. me that story two times in a, two days in a row now. <laughs> sure. Right? Yes. Yeah. Today you told me that even Jade, your brother, came out and was impressed by your determination. <laughs> <laughs> Commitment. So what is it, what is it about yeah. that that made you feel compelled to tell yeah. me about it and be... Yeah. You know, for lack of a better word, pretty damn proud that yeah. you went out in the rain and did a kettlebell workout. In the cold. 
Um, yes. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it, it's strong. It, and how did you feel inside? Well, I felt strong. When it was over. Right? <laughs> felt better, yeah. This is it. Well, yeah, it this makes you real, stronger. I'm asking you real questions right now. It yeah. might seem like I'm joking, but it's actually real. You know why? Because this is a little step for you. And there's other people that are listening that would benefit from hearing yeah. how taking this little step away from comfort really, truly made you mentally and physically better go echo charles all right well the well where can i start on that one okay so okay yes i go outside i had a workout planned it's raining raining kind of hard too by the way (laughs) and it's kind of cold the kind you gotta wear like a lot of clothes you know so yes i go and do the whole workout hard too and yes, my brother was like, dang, that's some dedication, whatever. But yes, the, so the feeling is, yeah, that I'm actually strong now. You know, it's like basically when, it, when you break it down, it's like now you're strong and you're not weak. So weak would be like just the littlest thing will throw you off your plan. You know, mm-hmm. the littlest thing because you can't because you're so used to comfort mm-hmm. where you're so used to like the clothing thing. I mean, yeah, that's kind of weird, too. Like if if you always got to be wearing like nice clothes, otherwise, like you're kind of you don't go out or something. I don't know. But it's kind of the same. It seems like the same, same concept. But, yeah, if you can endure that stuff. And then, then how do you feel when you're done? Better. Yeah. Did you feel better after a workout in the cold rain where you went and got after it than you would have had it been just normal 70 degrees and sunny socal yeah a little bit but i th- I feel like um it's it was just more of a psychological thing mm-hmm. which does help big time because now you know that rain you just proved to yourself that rain cold whatever <laughs> is not an excuse you see what i'm saying how old are you <laughs> 40 years rain and cold was an excuse no more no more no more uh, well here's the thing you're going it, to battle <laughs> You know what's funny? Here's a good here's a good expression yeah. we used to say in the dams back in the day. Mm-hmm. When it was raining and cold, you know what we'd say? Good operating weather. Yeah. But it was like uh it was kinda it's true. It's definitely true because when it's raining and when it's cold, guess what? The people that are, you know, on watch yeah. Your enemy, guess what they're doing? They're they're hiding yeah. and they're all bundled up and warm, so that makes it easier for you. Plus there's noise from the rain which camouflages the noise that you're making walking through the the jay mm-hmm. or the woods or whatever but that's always a good one whenever it's whenever it's crappy weather mm. i always i always say to myself good operating weather yeah kind of smile but we used to say to each other it's like you can't complain about it you just look at your buddy as like when you when the door of the tr- of the Hilo truck. You know what a Hilo truck is? No. But well, back in the day, we didn't have a lot of money for budget. Yeah. And so we'd pretend that we were in helicopters and we'd be in the back of big trucks and they'd just drive out in the middle of the desert, okay. open up the Hilo truck and <laughs> open it up, open up the door and we'd jump out like we just got out of a helicopter. Right. Little did we know that when the war actually came, we would be using vehicles. We we used vehicles all the time. We I rarely rarely used helicopters in Iraq. Mm. In Afghanistan, they used helicopters a lot more. Mm. But for me in Iraq, foot patrol and helo trucks. But we didn't have to call them helo trucks anymore. Now we just call them trucks. Sure, (laughs) trucks. But when you're in a helo truck Mm -hmm. in 1994 and you get driven up into the wherever Mm -hmm. and the door of the helo truck opens opens up Mm -hmm. and it's raining and it's cold and as you're getting out of the truck, your last moment to communicate out loud to everyone 
you hear someone go, good operating weather. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it is. This is going to suck. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense. So, like, yeah, if you're used to being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Or if you, like, despise comfort, mm-hmm. however you put it. Yeah. Um, it's not me. Yeah, yeah. It's Machiavelli, Machiavelli said it. Yeah. Despise comfort. Despising comfort. Essentially, you're getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm, you know yeah. how they say that, yeah, right? They do. They do, man. So yeah, that's what they're doing. So that's why. Yeah, yeah. Just improve. It basically, at the end of the day, improves your chance of success. You know, may uh, roadblocks of discomfort come about in the future. That's what happens. Indeed, and I, I, I think that not only will the rejection of comfort make better soldiers, it'll make better people. So yes, as you said, get out of your comfort zone. Impose discipline and discomfort on yourself, and you will become a better person. Agree. And that wraps up Machiavelli for now. But Echo, speaking of um, getting out of our comfort zone, and this is going to be a little dichotomy here, but getting out of our comfort zone to become better. What recommendations do you have for us to make that happen? Like I said, there's going to be a dichotomy here. Okay. Because what do we have? Well, well, there's a lot of things you have, but but yes. Yeah, so uh, being the connoisseur of comfort, and so you're kind of the connoisseur of discomfort, really, in a way. I don't know about that. Here's the thing, though. People, I don't think about it much, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd have to be like actively thinking about it. About what discomfort? Just about anything. Oh, okay. I'm just over here doing what I'm doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just with discomfort, Dis- capability. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. There's that old Viking saying. It's like the rain is cold, and the old Viking says, "How can the rain be cold? Right? The rain's not cold. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't get it. How can the rain be cold? If it's cold, Ben." It's cold. No, it's cold to you. When it hits you, the rain itself isn't cold. <laughs> okay, I understand. That's, it's a play on words. Gotcha. little play on words. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. another good thing to think to yourself. Another good thing to think to yourself, you only get wet once. Yeah. I've talked about that before. Yeah, makes you're, sense. You, you're waiting to go across a river. You're looking for the best spot. You're like, oh. No, you know, just get wet. You're yeah. only going to get wet one time. Once <laughs> you're wet, you're wet. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it's true. So the, Suck so it up. The comfort thing is... It's all, it's like context has a huge, has a lot to do with mm-hmm. it. Remember how I, t- I told you that time where it's like, you know how sometimes you can just fall asleep on the floor I know. or in the beach, uh, I don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but then sometimes you get in your, on your couch or on your <laughs> wherever and you just can't fall asleep, can't get comfortable oh, enough, you know, interesting. Good, because good. You, you expect the comfort mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. But if you don't have any comfortable expectations, it's like you just be you're just comfortable it's almost mm-hmm. like you're just appreciative for any kind of comfort but if you expect mass comfort it's like you can't get enough comfort you know because mm-hmm. you just expect more it's weird so like like um okay so you you know you have experience with cold water mm-hmm. right getting in to go hit the surf whatever mm-hmm. so when you're there how hard is that it's to, not not right you're just, just like off. we're just doing it yeah. yeah this is what we're doing this is we're we're whatever it's cold it sucks whatever even if it's but here's an uh, this is me keep in mind but still i think it holds true so i'm getting in the shower the other day it's cold here <laughs> california weather is cold. tell that to pete 
<laughs> well, Pete's going to understand because he, this probably happened to him too. So listen, you know how you're cold, you know, you, like it's just sort of cold, uh-huh. right? So I'm, gonna, I'm about to take a shower and you know, the kind when you turn on the shower, it's not just doesn't come out all warm. It yeah. got a week. It takes a few seconds or whatever. So, so I turn it on and it hits me. Oh, cause you take warm showers. <laughs> That day I took Check. a warm shower. Anyway, understood. Anyway, the cold water like kind of hit me, and I was oh, <laughs> there's no way I could bear going underneath that shower like before it gets warm. No way, man. No way. But then and then whatever it heats up. But I'm thinking like no, nah, like Jocko guys go in that cold surf like for a long time, and so then I'm thinking no, it's totally in context, you know. Like if I let's say a minute before I walked in the shower, I was like I'm gonna take. A cold shower right now I'm doing it literally the same exact time <laughs> I, I could do it you see what i'm saying so it's like a mindset kind of thing check even aside from the training of course i would say this and the reason that i can't there i me it's just like blank no bro it's not here the, <laughs> maybe it is bro but no i don't know think about this when you get out of bed right well then again your routine's different but yeah, let's say you're just sort of you cold. You know I have an actual ice bath, right? <laughs> Yeah, but that's different too. Bro, I used to take ice bath all the time. Oh, okay. But that's so different what's too. Up? I'm saying like, what if you get, I don't know, out of bed or you're just cruising at home, which you probably don't do. But let's say you were <laughs> and it was just cold. The kind like, oh, I'm pretty cold right now. <laughs> I should put on a jacket right now. A hoodie, whatever. That's how cold it is right here. Right? Not freezing, but just I'm cold right now. Uncomfortably cold. <laughs> and then let's say your son comes with a cup of ice water and dumps it on you uh-huh. right uh-huh. how would he sneak up on me <laughs> so you're saying okay maybe he didn't sneak up on you maybe he was i don't know but let's say he poured the ice water on you okay you're just telling me that you're like whatever that wouldn't you'd be viking like and be like oh like i don't know it's not cold well I tell you, if he was looking for a reaction from me, I wouldn't give him the right. satisfaction. <laughs> okay, which I dig. I dig it. There would be a grappling match happening real quick, though. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I understand. Because was an attack. <laughs> okay. So that aside, I'm talking about the actual. Yeah, physical of course. There's cold water hitting you. Yeah. 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 But it's, so it's not nothing. But oh, it's something. But okay, it's something. <laughs> but that compare that experience to if he came up to you and say, "Hey, Dad, I have this cup of of cold water. It's kind of cold right now. Do you think you can like endure this? Right?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, I can endure it. Do it." And he did it. I'm not saying that would be nothing or something. I'm saying that those two experiences are different. Okay. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So this is the uh, this is an element of surprise. Is all we're talking about. One, you were surprised. One, you're not. If you're surprised. It's going to throw you off a little bit. Yeah. If you're not surprised, you're braced for it. You're good to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that's just one element of a different context where you don't necessarily expect. Okay, so it's surprise and mental preparation. Mental preparation is, I think, the overarching because surprise would fall under the mental preparation. A lot of stuff going on in your head, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you that shower experience kind of enlightened me a little bit. Anyway. Okay. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's a jujitsu saying too, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Is that where you heard it mainly? Uh, I don't. I th- maybe that's where I first heard it. Yeah. Because that's a good thing to have. Oh yeah. That's the that's the backhanded compliment that Hicks and Gracie told me when I rolled with him back in the day. What that you were comfortable? With he you? goes. He said you're very you're very comfortable when you're in really bad positions. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I was all happy. Yeah, there you go. See? He was good at jujitsu. Yes. So 
Yeah, that's that's what I heard too. Um, but yeah, so that's what Jiu-Jitsu is saying. So that means do Jiu-Jitsu, kind of, really. That yes. last stratagem, or, or what, what do you call it? Rules, general yeah, rule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is essentially... Despise s- delicate living. Yeah. Is Jiu-Jitsu delicate living? <laughs> no, no, it is not. It's not delicate. It but is not. it's not brutal. Depends who you roll with. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's very true, actually. There was some blood on the mat last night, boy. I believe. Anyway, do jujitsu. If if we're not in jujitsu already. We might not agree on the different mindsets for cold and all that, but we do agree. Do some jujitsu. Do some jujitsu. And when you do it, you're going to need a gi. And what gi do you get? None other than the gis that are made 100% in America from top to bottom. From origin. Origin main com. That's where you get them. You can get whatever gi you want on there, and you can get rash guards, so you can do no gi as well. And then you can get uh, t-shirts mm-hmm. and hoodies, which are comfortable, which, which are the antithesis of what we're talking about. Yes, because you have claimed, and now this claim has been supported on social media sites around the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. That the origin jogger pants, yes. which I don't wear are universally the most comfortable pants of all time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> still. I mean, and I went on searches. Like My son got pants. a pair for uh, Christmas. Because, yeah. you know, when, when you're in my family, guess what you're getting for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> Product. Yeah, yeah. Origin stuff, of yeah. course. So he got a pair. And I tried them on. And he was like, you got to take them off. Because <laughs> how they look. Because they just don't look Because you right. don't match. Yeah, right. They're just not, they're just not me. Yeah, because joggers, as functional as they are, because they're super functional as far as jogging and running goes, uh-huh. um, as, as functional as they are, they're, that's a style thing. Like, they're in style right yeah. now. But They're that's somehow t- related yeah. to skinny jeans, are they not? Yes, sir, they're they rela- are. They're at that's least the related. Look. That's the look, yeah. They're related. So you, yeah, bro, you can't wear skin, that kind of stuff, they, bro. They used to issue... And when I went, when I was at SEAL Team Two, SEAL Team One, we didn't have it. SEAL Team Two, they issued us joggers, but this is back in the day. They were basically like, they were basically like the same thing, yeah. because it was cold in the winter time, and guys would want to run with those things on. Yeah, but I didn't wear those either. No, you <laughs> but can't, everybody else can't wore. Them. Yeah, yeah. Wait, and they're outer. They weren't underwear. You'd wear them like over your running shorts. Oh, okay. Cool. There you go. Yeah. But these are these are probably going to be way more comfortable. The ones from Origin, um, and they're made in America. By the way, I don't mm. know if I mentioned that. But yeah, those are good joggers. Here's the thing: you despise comfort. Well, I don't think you despise comfort. Not as much as I should. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense to me. I don't despise comfort. Just like I don't despise the rest between sets, because comfort is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. When you're kind of cold. I guess that's what I was going to say earlier. You enjoy comfort more when you have discomfort, yes. right? Oh, yeah. You don't want to be the person that's constantly in a feather pillow, temperature-controlled scenario, yes. right? Yeah, you want to yeah, be yeah. in like the tough environment, and then you're like, oh, this feels good now. Yeah. Like when you get out of the when you've been surfing, and it's cold. I went surfing the other day with no wetsuit on, and Hell it's yeah. wintertime here, by the way. But one of my uh, two, actually, of my toes were numb, straight yeah, up yeah. white. How so? How cold is that? Maybe like what fifty five? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I only went for like forty five minutes, mm. but yeah, I was cold when I got done. Yeah. And then I went in the jacuzzi. That was nice, and it felt good. Yeah. See, so really, <laughs> I did it's not more despise about, that comfort. Yeah, it's, but it felt even better 
than if it was just a normal day and I wasn't didn't have a numb two toes. Yeah. So really, it's more about the ability to endure discomfort. That's really what it is. So the le- the less time you spend uncomfortable, the less used to it you'll be. So the more like you know, the less capable you'll be of of enduring it. Yeah. Kind of. That's kind of the the thing. Yeah. Check. That's what they're going for. Anyway, Geese, uh, back to rash guards, t-shirts, joggers, uh, supplements. Supplements, of course. Joint supplements, which mm-hmm. have shaken out to be the most important supplements there are. <laughs> it's true. For, Indeed. For a semi to moderate to highly active person, that's it. Yeah. I know this firsthand. Definitely. Uh, so joint warfare, krill oil. Those are for your joints and for your whole life. Like the the stuff that's in joint warfare, turmeric. It has all all kind. It's not just like yeah, it's good for your joints, but it's good for a lot. It's good for everything. Yeah. Which is as I was, you know, reading more about it. Or no, there was an article that sprang up. That's what it was, and I was like, wow, I didn't know did all this. No wonder I feel so good. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, joint warfare, curl oil, discipline. There's also so discipline comes in lemon lime, which is tasty. There's also the new Tropic Thunder. Tropic because Thunder we couldn't flavor. call it we couldn't call it pina colada because that's just not happening. No, no, that was a, just a big negative. And then there's milk, of course. Additional protein, additional protein mm-hmm. that tastes delicious. That tastes like a dessert, a for real dessert though. Yeah, and if you have kids or if you just well, if you have kids, you can get them a warrior kid milk, which is the best possible thing you can buy a child for food, in my opinion. Yeah. Taste, well, I guess if you get them steak. <laughs> sure, I think I think vegetables are good, too. I didn't even like steak yeah. when I was a little kid. Yeah, you like burgers. Yeah, I liked burgers. But just, oh. just, yeah. You're more refined now. Luxurious now. Yeah, hey, it took me a while, luxurious. though. It was an acquired taste getting into the steak thing. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Plus, I had to learn how to cook it better. Yeah. So, yeah. Warrior Kid Mulk and all that stuff from Origin. You can get it at originmain.com. .com. Also, Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko Store. So, you go to jockostore.com and this is where you can get shirts that represent the path. You want to represent discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals freedom shirt. Here, and this is what I realized this cycle. I know, I know. I think maybe a little bit too much into it, but this happened though. When you wear a discipline equals freedom shirt to work out, you like won't skip the workout. You'll be more into the workout. I noticed that. Yeah. I'm because you look at it and it says discipline equals freedom. You know, it's like you're representing what it's actually saying. It's not one of these deals where it's like, ooh, a cool star yeah. on your shirt or something, which is cool. There's people that have taken that idea to the next level and gotten the discipline equals freedom tattoos. See, same exact concept, yeah. and yeah, it's man, I, I've seen it. Yeah. Like uh, one dude has the Dismichael's Freedom. I think it's it's basically on the inside of his wrist. Yeah. Try eating a donut with that hand. I know that <laughs> it's thing. Not happening, exactly. There's, there's no way. That's the exact. Yes. If that happened, you'd you'd be in serious violation. Yeah. Like you couldn't do it. You'd feel it. Like you'd be doing burpees for like yeah. forty five minutes. Yeah. After that. Yeah. Yeah. You seen? I posted a picture of of the guy with it on the inside yeah. of his arm. Yeah, that was dope. No, well, there's one guy that has an inside of his arm. Are you talking about the one guy? There's a guy that has it on his wrist. Like yeah, right that's here, the like one recently. Club I saw. Stamp. Yeah, it was that roll call. Yeah, 
That that's when I cool. took the picture. But yeah, I saw that. It was good. See, same exact concept, man. Yeah. Because yeah, you can't not represent now. You know, yeah. you got the shirt on. Boom, you got the tattoo. Now you can never not represent. <laughs> or you're gonna pay the price. Yeah. To yourself, by the way. Yeah. You know, so it's like a thing. I dig it, man. I dig it. Respect. Also, only get that tattoo. I think you should only get that tattoo if you if you're you need to commit first right <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. need to commit first and then get the tattoo don't think that just the tattoo is going to push you over the edge even though it probably will even though it probably will but maybe that's not the best <laughs> approach for tattoo uh decision making is yeah, that so, that's yeah. what you're saying yeah, either way check. yeah anyway it's called jockostore.com you can get your uh sh- you know the shirts and and before you get the tattoo, get the t-shirt. Get Let's the shirt first, yeah. Get a hat. Get a hat <laughs> get that a hat. says it first. Yeah, there's a then lot of cool stuff. If you're that. in the game, cool. Then you can step it up a little bit more. Hoodies. Yes. Women's stuff. I'm going to have some new stuff on there, too. You keep so, saying that. I know, but, you know, I'm going to do it. Meanwhile, are there patches right now, or are we out of patches? Um. Well... I don't know. Guess let me what? let me double check. Well, let me and then check we'll... with the guy. Let me check with the guy that's in charge of inventory. <laughs> oh wait, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, rest assured. Hey, go, if you see something cool, get something. If something sold out or something like that, I don't know. Let me know. I guess. Don't, but don't, no, you know what? It won't be, it. or it'll be on the way. Either way, it's called JockoStore.com. A lot of cool stuff on there. If you want something, you want to represent in the wild. In the wild, by the way. <laughs> get something <laughs> also jocko white tea on the store that we sell that on the store too mm-hmm. by the way Jocko store. um but you I'm can get this right uh, now yeah it's good you can get it from amazon as well where else guess what i'm drinking right now jocko. hot tea yeah. You know why? Comfortable. Because it's a little bit cold. I'm going to get the comfort zone. <laughs> right. See? Busted. Hey, no, no, man. Makes, Finding it makes comfort. Sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I feel weak. You're no stranger to discomfort, so I think you're kind of, you know, whatever. But yeah, Jocko White Tea It's one of those uh, deals where even if you don't like tea that much, you'll probably yeah, like yeah, this it one. Doesn't, it tastes like tea, but it doesn't taste like tea. Can I say that? Does that make any sense? You know, if you drink it, that there's makes sense. There's a dichotomy. There's a dichotomy. Jocko White yeah. tea. <laughs> but there's no dichotomy in the fact that you need Were deadly you there when Dean was teaching the, the, the jiu-jitsu class at the muster and he used the word dichotomy and then everyone started laughing. Yeah, because <laughs> the way fun. he says yeah, it yeah. is like directly teasing Directly you. mocking me yeah, yeah. using the word dichotomy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Jocko White tea. Outstanding uh, stuff. Makes you deadlift 8,000 pounds, but yeah. we already knew that. Yeah, everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah. Worldwide deadlift has increased a lot. Yep. Also, it's in cans, which is good for me because the whole brewing tea uh, uh, sequence it's uncomfortable for is un- very uncomfortable for me, yes. So, you know, cans seems more cool, but whatever, whatever you like. Also, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already uh on you know wherever you listen to podcasts there it is i know i, I don't think we even need to say that anymore okay well we, we, i've said that for like a year or maybe even three years that we don't need to say to subscribe to the podcast but we do need to say subscribe to the warrior kid podcast yes check it out check it out even if you aren't a kid mm-hmm. check it out i use a different voice in that podcast okay. dave burke was talking about it yeah he's like i even like that different i use this voice right here it's a little bit more aimed at kids. Yeah. This is just the way I normally talk mm-hmm. when I do. Because I'm kind of Uncle Jake in that. He, Uncle Jake is a little bit more, he's not, dorky. He's, he, well, not dorky, but he just doesn't have his little bit of a dark side like I do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah that's a good way of putting it the dark edge he's just good he's like uncle jake is just good across the board yeah you never know what i might have a little i yeah. might have a little issue yes. with something and get kind of crazy on it yeah uncle right. jake's not gonna let that happen so check out the warrior kid podcast <laughs> if you want to get some more information to your kids mm-hmm. about being on the path yeah. and you can hear me talk and tell stories in this voice from yeah. uncle jake yeah actually sounded actually exactly like how you sound on it which is good anyway also yes youtube as well so we do have a youtube channel if you didn't know that mm-hmm. it does have the video version of this podcast and also little excerpts mm-hmm. and enhanced excerpts by the way i was noticing some of your recent excerpts you can't make excerpts that are 12 minutes long that's not an excerpts that's just like a video well <laughs> technically that's that's not correct because an excerpt is just a part okay. there's no time limit what but here's, the, here's the thing with the 12. 12 minutes is long man i know and sometimes they're gonna be 12 minutes there's no way that everything in that 12 minutes is important kind yeah that's true okay but then it depends get out on, your editing scissors depends, and cut. depends on how you look at it though bro these things are supposed to be an excerpt should be like oh you know what boom not all two minutes and 28 seconds later you're like yeah i got this oh i dig it i agree but not a lot of time you want people to pull up a couch and heave in for well, the night some of us watch are, the <laughs> no, some of us are on the computer <laughs> doing other stuff and then boom there the excerpt comes okay. up you know about yeah, ooh, maybe or maybe it's like you saying something and me disagreeing and then you saying well this is this and i'm saying well that's true but what about this and you're like oh, okay or whatever you know mm-hmm. it's like a little it's like a little conversation yeah, that's right. not two hours you know what i'm saying cool so you know it's presentable it's good it's doable okay so there's there's on the youtube channel there's long and short excerpts yes that's a good way there's to digestible it. and there's a little bit more like you know meal time <laughs> conversational uh you know because it's less about like the shortness and shareability necessarily it's more about like hey remember What's this shareability oh like i can sh- you watch it. yeah oh, hey, like hey if it's a cool minute video. yeah they're oh, more okay. likely to watch the minute video than the 12 minute video but the 12 minute is like the kind of like if you just want to hear about like this specific like topic that happened <laughs> to take 12 they're not all 12 minutes no, there's like one this is maybe like eight minutes though. Maybe <laughs> six. Either way. Check. That's the way it goes. Uh, psychological warfare too. Speaking of little excerpts, those are just short, short one to two minutes mm-hmm. of how to overcome some type of momentary weakness that you might have if you don't have a discipline equals freedom tattoo on your wrist that's gonna keep you in check. The this is another thing you can do prior to getting that tattoo. You can just Load up your psychological warfare on iTunes, Google Play, MP3 platforms, whatever, and listen to those. Yes, which is Jocko telling you how to overcome the weakness. Mm-hmm. That is that's that tattoo on your wrist, discipline equals freedom, is like the ultimate psychological warfare. It is a, weapon. It is a good weapon. <laughs> like boom, discipline. Oh, freedom. what if you put discipline on one wrist and freedom on the other wrist? I actually might do that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Discipline, freedom, boom. Uh, at origin. Uh, I've been talking to Pete. We're trying to buy a machine mm-hmm. that can make sweatbands, wristbands, mm-hmm. right? And then once we have that power, two things. Number one, I'm going to make the best wristbands because I I wear wristbands every time I work out. Yeah. And but there's no good wristbands in the world. There's none of them that meet the standards that I would like them to meet. Why do you wear wristbands? Uh, sweat primarily. 
Oh, so it doesn't go on yeah, your hand? Yeah, because the sweat will run right down my arms and my hands, and I'm just dropping yeah. everything, and it sucks. Yeah, from your arms. So, uh, I'm going to make wristbands that are super long. Right, right. And really, like, just legit. <laughs> but <laughs> I told P, I'm like, we can put discipline on one and freedom on the other one. Right. And you can buy a little set. Yeah. So, anyways. Pete's, Pete's shopping for the machine right now. Good. Can it make socks sent, too? Yes, it can make socks. Pete sent me a picture of a machine. And he goes, what do you think this makes? And I looked at it and I, I don't know. I just kind of like logically it was sort of like a, um, you could see stuff 360 degrees around something else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I bet you, I said socks. And he goes, damn. Because <laughs> oh, I'm not in figure. the industry. Right, right, right. But you can recognize Pete was stuff. impressed with my logic. Yeah. Your de- deducing de- deductive skills. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I'm impressed too. Mm. Speaking of being impressed, go to Onnit. So Onnit, the company I'm impressed with, always have been, by the way. So go to onnit.com slash Jocko. This is where you can get kettlebells, all kinds of cool workout equipment that you can just slowly add to your arsenal at home. If you've got a home gym, whatever. Really good stuff on there. Also good info on there. So, you know, if you want to educate yourself a little bit more, boom, that's the place to go. On it.com slash Jocko. Really good stuff on there. Really good. We got some books. We got Mikey and the Dragons, which is fully in stock. Fully, yeah. It, it ran a little low. We almost didn't make Christmas, but we made it. Thank God. Cool. Thanks to everyone on the team that helped us and all the printers around them. That, that printed us copies and we got a bunch of copies and everyone got them by Christmas that I know of. Everyone that's reached out on Twitter that said it's not here yet mm-hmm. on December 19th or 13th was like, we still don't have it. I ordered October. I was like, it's coming. Please come. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but as far as I know, everyone got them when they, they got them in time for Christmas. So um, now we have a lot. So if you want to get Mikey and the Dragons, best children's book ever ever yeah 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 I'm disagree not, with me no i no, well i think just by nature i'm like whoa you just made a claim let me like refute it so i'm all thinking but hey man because obviously <laughs> i would be like hey what about this way of the word kid because i thought that was the yeah. best kids well, book what, ever what, what age group for which okay best and the young best was it a toddler that reads mikey and the dragons Toddler. What's a toddler? Someone they who can, can walk. walk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. some toddlers can't understand so English. Best children's book, picture book with for ages five and under, sure. seven and six and under. Sure. Mikey and the Dragons. There. Okay. Sure. We broke that down. <laughs> order that. Way the Warrior Kid. When the kids get a little bit older, order Way the Warrior Kid and Mark's Mission. Book three has been written. I got pictures from John Bozak today via text. You saw him, right? Witnessed, yes. Yeah. How, how do you like him? We like him a lot. I showed I showed Danny Reinhardt to my youngest daughter. And I've been I've been I've been telling her about Danny Reinhardt for a long time because yeah. Danny Reinhardt does everything perfect and Danny <laughs> Reinhardt does everything good and Mark's kind of jealous of him. Mm-hmm. And I sh- and she was she's been she got all into the name. Danny Reinhardt. Yeah, she's annoyed with him. Yeah. Already. She's already doesn't like him. Yep. But the the interesting twist on the story is Danny Reinhardt's actually a good kid. Yeah. And he just happens to be talented and he happens to work hard and he's actually nice. But Mark's jealous. So Warrior Kid 3 coming out in the spring and right now we got Warrior Kid 1 and Warrior Kid 2 Mark's Mission. Also got Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. 
the manual for getting after it yeah. in life. life yeah. Super stoked on everyone that's posting uh, pictures. And I'm actually most stoked when somebody posts a picture that they've lost 162 pounds yes, in 14 months or whatever. Yeah. Completely changed their lives. Yeah. Why discipline equals freedom? So you can get that book for yourself. That's also pre-tattoo. Maybe before you get the tattoo, you just leave this out on your uh, coffee table. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You just have it there because it's looking at you. That book is looking at you. Yeah. I got a stack of them in my room. I feel them. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they keep me in Keep line. you right on, yeah. So if you, want, if you want the audio version, it's on iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, other MP3 platforms. Obviously, Extreme Ownership, the first book that I wrote with my brother Leif Babin, taking the lessons that we learned on the battlefield and explaining how they can be applied to your business and to your life. And that was the followed up, that was followed up by the book that we just had come up out called The Dichotomy of Leadership. And this is getting granular in how to apply those leadership principles into your world. Also, we have Echelon Front, which is uh, my leadership consultancy. And what we do is solve problems through leadership. If you have any kind of problem in your organization, it is a leadership problem. It is a leadership problem. We will help get your leadership fixed, get them aligned, and get them working and get the team functioning properly. We also have a leadership conference that we do. It's called the Muster. In 2019, there are three musters. May 23rd and 24th in Chicago, September 19th and 20th in Denver, and December 4th and 5th in Sydney, Australia. Check out extremeownership.com for the details and to register. All of them that we have done have sold out. This is, and when I'm saying they sold out, this is when people call me up and say, or like people that I know yeah. say, hey, hey, I know we're a little late. Just want to, can you just, um, can you just reserve three seats for me and, you know, these two other people that I work with? And I'm like, actually, no, I can't. Yeah. You cannot come. <laughs> Dang, well, we'll just stand in the back. No, there's fire codes. Like, you can't come. Yeah. Everyone thinks you all just, you know, no. Yeah, just like, it's like, sold out. Yeah. So you can't come. The the um the live podcast we're doing January 9th. Sold out immediately. Yeah. It's like, sorry. Got to be quick on those, I guess. So there's that. Now we do have this EF online. This is this is the interactive training, leadership training that we put together. And Okay, so there's several places where this stemmed from. Mm-hmm. One of them is the muster itself. Because yeah. guess what? The muster is great foundational information. It's a great foundational leadership um, instruction that you're going to get when you go. Not everyone can make it to the muster. So what we did is we took the content from the first like two musters that we did and this is the fundamental principles from extreme ownership from the dichotomy leadership. We took those and put them into interactive online training so that people that couldn't make it to the muster could still get that training. We also did it because companies that we work with, sometimes they have 10,000 employees, 20,000 employees, 100,000 employees. Mm. And all the employees are not all in one place. They're all over the place. They're all over the country and they're all over the world. Mm-hmm. How are we going to train all those people? 
we what we needed to do was figure out a way to scale the training that we did there was m- many requests from the larger companies we work with to get the training to all their employees how do we do that we had to scale it so we put it online and then once we put it online for companies we figured okay let's get it out there for direct consumers that want to take the training they can't come to the muster what have you or they want to get reminded what they learned at the muster same thing so that's online training it's available now at efonline.com also we've got ef overwatch where we are taking leadership gaps in the civilian sector and we are filling those leadership gaps with trained and experienced and tested leaders from combat aviation and from the spec ops community go to efoverwatch.com regardless of which side of that equation you're on whether you're a company that needs leaders or whether you're a, a vet that's seeking a leadership position in a company go to efoverwatch.com and fill out the information that applies to you and if you want to continue this conversation with us we can be found all up in the interwebs on Instagram on Twitter and on the Facebook Echo is at Echo Charles and I am at Jocko Willink and finally to all our military personnel out there thank you for protecting freedom around the world and to our folks in uniform here at home police and law enforcement and firefighters paramedics EMTs correctional officers border patrol all first responders thanks for protecting us and our families and to everyone else out there remember that discipline is stronger than fury You need a little bit of fury. You need a little bit of discipline. You need to combine those things. But you take that discipline and you impose discipline upon yourself and reject and refuse delicate living and the luxuries that are available to you in life and instead get out of that comfort and make yourself better, faster, smarter, and stronger by going out there day after day after day and getting after it. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko, out.